Welcome back to Nerd is New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm John. So this is the first time we're going back to kind of like old school. Yeah. This is like the, I was, you know, we were talking about this before and I was like, it's the first time in a while we're kind of going back to our original format. Yeah. So you can be the judge if you like this better. Just that the, the content we're talking about today lends itself more to like this kind of format. We're not really comparing anything. We're just, we're just talking about a cultural phenomenon. Yes. A very interesting cultural phenomenon do i tell them do we wait uh, i mean they know it because you can read the title of oh, the episode i guess that's a good point uh syncing up pink floyd's dark side of the moon with the wizard of oz yes more on that in a second though lots more first off what have we just nerded out on we haven't talked about this and i have so many things i've nerded out on i actually had to think about this i was like what do i want to choose because there's been a lot of things i think we kind of we we mentioned it off the cuff, but we don't actually we haven't gone into detail in quite some time. So, what did you just nerd out on? Okay, so I, I watched this a while ago, and then the Emmys hit, and this thing just took home a ton of awards. No, it's not Shit's Creek; it's Watchmen, the TV show. So this came out October twentieth, two thousand nineteen, on HBO. It was created by Damon Lindelof. Well, you may know that guy from Lost and Leftovers. Do you know that guy? I don't know that guy, but I know you like Lost. I do like this guy, too. I do like Lost. And Leftovers is pretty freaking great, too. It stars some people you know, some people you may not know as well. Regina King. We know Regina King. Should know her. As Angela Abar. She's from Ray, Miss Congeniality, too. Bunch of other things. Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. He plays Calabar. And you may know him from Aquaman and Matrix 4. Which, by the way, hasn't come out yet. I was, gonna, I was just going to tell. I was like that. He is in Matrix. He's in Matrix. <laughs> it's coming out. Yeah. Tom Meissen as Mr. Phillips. Sleepy Hollow TV show, apparently. I've never seen that show. Sarah Vickers as Miss Crookshanks. She's in a bunch of British television shows. All right, here's a name we know and love. Jeremy Irons. Oh, yeah. As Adrian Veidt. Or Veidt. Veidt. In, yeah, Veidt. Veidt Industries. I'm trying to just remember the name. Uh, it's He was in Lion King. Die Hard 3. Die Hard 3. Die Hard with yeah. a Vengeance. Louis Gossett Jr. I mean, he's fantastic. He plays Will Reeves. And yes, the Will Reeves that you maybe have heard of, like the old school like sheriff cowboy back in the Wild West. Oh, nice. Yeah. Officer and Gentleman in Digstown, you and, may know him from. And well, I and I have to say this, Iron Eagle, because that's a reference to what I just nerded out on, but <laughs> you'll understand that in a second. Yeah, I was hoping you'd say Iron Eagle. <laughs> We've also got... Gene Smart, who plays Lori Blake, and you know her from 24 Garden State, and also a great show, Legion. Finally, let's not forget, well, actually, you know what? Tim Blake Nelson, he plays this character called The Looking Glass from A Brother What Out Th- or Out Thou, and also The Incredible Hulk. He's great in that movie. And he's also in um, Minority Report. I know that because oh, yeah. that's been on a lot recently. Yeah, syndication. <laughs> and finally, the great Don Johnson as Judd Crawford, you know. Good old Crockett, Miami Vice. So here's the thing about this show. Uh, I wasn't sure how to how I was going to like it. I, I actually was one of the few that liked the Watchmen movie. Did, I, I liked the Watchmen a movie. A lot of people didn't because people are like just it, mad about everything. Well, <laughs> and those are probably the people that were, you know, have, had read the dark, you know, read the original graphic novel. My, my brother was one of the, I think both of my brothers were one of those people. I actually never got a chance to read it, but... Yeah. yeah, if you're going to take it like that, then yeah, maybe the movie wasn't quite as close to the book. So I was, at first, I was like, ah, it's going to be a remake, but we'll see how this works out. But it's not a remake. It's actually kind of like a sequel. And it's taking place X amount of years after the movie takes place. Right. And you've got Adrian, who's now an adult. He's been punished because of his mis- misdoings in the movie. And now it's essentially these superhero creatures are are, are pretty much including Dr. Manhattan are essentially like in hiding don't really exist, but they kind of pop out, pop in and out as like vigilantes, mm-hmm. so to speak. And it's very clever, a lot of twists and turns, awesome ending. I think there's going to be another season, even though they've said there's not going to be, let's just say there could be another season. I won't, I won't play spoiler here, but if you have a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Yeah. That was one of those that I started it because again, I enjoyed the movie and I was like, Oh, they're making a show. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, I just stopped. 
you can't you have to like really invest yourself in it because it's not one of those shows you can just kind of put in on the put on in the background there's a lot going on you have to pay attention that's something that i learned so it, yeah i'll have to restart it and yeah i'll watch it again. it takes a couple episodes but after episode let's say two or three like you're going to be all in i think that may have been my problem because i didn't give it yeah. enough time got to give it some time what did you nerd out on and unlike that show, you can get hooked on this one pretty convincingly and pretty easily. Instantaneously. Instantaneously. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai debuted May 2nd, 2018 on YouTube Red. The first two seasons were actually on YouTube, and then Netflix acquired the show in June of this year. Put them both out on here. That's when I saw them, when they got to Netflix. And uh, they're going to have a third season on the same platform in 2021. I'm glad people are into it now, but I just want the le- record to be shown that I have been watching this since it was on YouTube Red. A friend of mine recommended it. Shout out to Rex. And I'm very, very excited for the third season to finally come out because season two has such a gigantic cliffhanger. Ugh. All right. Yes, it does. All right, go ahead. And it was, it was good. I wanted more. <laughs> Megan was very upset when we yeah. when we finished. Like, that was the season finale. What? Like, yep, we got to wait till next year All to right. watch more. I've been waiting a year and a half. Yeah, I know you've been waiting longer than <laughs> longer than most. Come on. All right. Continue. It was it was created by Josh Hild, who was the one of the writers for Hot Tub Time Machine. John Hurwitz, who again, these are all writers. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, and then also American Reunion, and then Hayden Schlossberg, who was a writer in from what I saw, like the entire Harold and Kumar series. So all comedy writers. Uh, it stars Zolo Maraduena as Miguel Diaz, who nice. was also in Parenthood. Ralph Macchio as Daniel LaRusso, obviously Karate Kid. Mike, my, my Cousin Vinny, check that one out if you haven't seen it. And The Outsiders. <laughs> William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence, Karate Kid 1 and 2, Hot Tub Time Machine, and Back to School. Courtney Hengler, Hengler as Amanda LaRusso, who was uh, actually Sheldon's sister in Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. did not know that, and also the TV show Mom. Tanner Buchanan as Robbie Keane, who's in Designated Survivor, and The Fosters, two other television shows. Mar- Mary Mauser as Samantha LaRusso, and she was in Alex and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very, Very Bad Day, and then... I had to mention this guy just because I like his character. Jacob Bertrand is Hawk or Eli. And he was in Kirby Buckets and did one of the voices in Rise of the Guardians. I like Hawk too. Hawk is <laughs> Hawk is crazy. <laughs> so I think the best thing about this show is that it does such a great job of blurring the lines of good and bad and no bad guy is truly good and no or no bad guy isn't somewhat good and no good guy is like without being bad. No, yeah, and it's it's it's. I was thinking about this before the episode, and I was thinking, uh, "How I Met Your Mother." Barney is is very avid that William Zabko was the Karate Kid, <laughs> and Daniel and you know Johnny Lawrence was the Karate Kid. Daniel Larusso was not, and this kind of plays to that because you get to see Johnny's side of the story. And for mm-hmm. Johnny, Daniel was the villain. Daniel is this kid from New Jersey, comes in, yeah. steals his girlfriend. Beats him up, you know. Yeah, there was just there, trashes his Halloween costume when he's just yeah, just rolling a joint when in the he's bathroom just by a joint, himself, uh, minding his own business because they were just kind of like a truce and like he didn't like. Yeah, they did some stuff to him, but then he just kind of forgot about him. But then Daniel just came gets back beat up and, by an old man. Yeah, like. gets his friend beats him up, <laughs> and so like he's get like Daniel Larusso ruined his life as far as he's concerned. And it's yeah. it like you said, it's very interesting that that you you really get to see both sides of the story. And I think. Uh, there's 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 moments of reconciliation between the two and then it just like they kind of come together and then they go apart again because something happens so yeah. that, that's kind of the most interesting part of the show it's like you can see them start to becoming friends but then there's a twist <laughs> and, and then it's like okay now we'll, we'll see what happens so it's well and very think, entertaining and i do a good job of even not only is it like a the way different way to look at it as compared to the movies but even like within a season characters you empathize with them and all of a sudden you're like, no, they're the bad guy. And like, oh no, actually they're the good guy. And it just goes back and yep. forth sometimes within an episode. Absolutely. Which is freaking cool. Like it's just, it's just very well written and clever. And there are a lot of nods to the original, of course, 
the original movies, but it's not corny and cheesy. No. I don't think so, at least. No. I think it's, it's done and, very I, tastefully is not the right word, but seamlessly. Like, this I'm, is just how it would have happened. It doesn't seem forced. I'm really hoping, and I don't, and I could probably do research online, but I don't know personally at this moment in time. I'm really hoping Elizabeth Shue makes an appearance I mean, somewhere. I mean, she's got it. She's got to. They've got. They've brought back almost every other character. They have. They've brought back. And a they're lot. supposed to bring back some other characters this next season, from some of the latter films, not just Karate Kid One. So we'll see what happens there. Oh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. She was the girl Karate Kid. Oh, Jennifer. <laughs> no, no, no. Um. Oh, Hil- Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. Yeah. Or Jaden. Or Jaden Smith. I don't know about either <laughs> of them, but I'm talking more Karate Kid too. I, I know. I'm just kidding. But or, we'll or, see. Or three. I like three. I don't like three was good. Much. Okay. So, anyways, yes, Cobra Kai, Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you have to go see it. They're short episodes. You can burn through in a weekend if you wanted to. Yeah, and you will not be disappointed. Hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> On to our full nerd topic for the day: the dark side of the rainbow, also called Dark Side of Oz or The Wizard of Floyd. I like Dark Side of the Rainbow my, myself. I like that too. That was, a, that was that's a, that's a it's a good name for this phenomenon. So yeah. we, in researching this, we tried to figure out how this became a thing. We did find some evidence, but there's no hard evidence that actually showed like this was the first person that did it. Like, Let, let's let's real quick, let's, what's, what is the thing we're talking about? You briefly oh. mentioned it. Like, just explain it one more time. So what it is is there you can play, you watch The Wizard of Oz on mute, and you play – Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon along with the movie and you're supposed to see synchronizations between the two between mm-hmm. the lyrics in the movie versus what's uh, I'm sorry the lyrics in the songs versus what's said in the movie the actual songs themselves and the mannerisms and like what's happening in the movie or you know movements actions actual scenes and there's yeah. uh, we can get into this later but yeah there's some for whatever reason, there's some pretty obvious things that show up in this yeah. in this sync. So I don't, it, I don't know if it can necessarily be attributed to one person. I think someone with too much time on their hands and a lot of weed <laughs> decided to do this mm-hmm. or played around and then figured out this was a thing. And then they told one person who told another who told another and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. I think that's probably the best that's the best explanation we could probably come up with right and and there are some like actual published articles so for example in 1995 yep. this gentleman named charles savage he published in the fort wayne gazette a, a reference to watching the wizard of oz while listening dark side of the moon and basically a, a suggested that this is a thing that can happen so the article was was titled fittingly dark side of the rainbow which is again the most common name for yeah. this thing and according to the article, like I said, you, you mute the movie and you start Dark Side when the MGN Lions roars at the beginning of the film, the first roar. And again, you'll just see some sync ups. You know, among some of the similarities that Savage pointed out was that Dorothy starts to run during the line, no one told you when to run. And I should mention that. This article in 1995 is the earliest reference that we could find to someone pointing this out. So that's why this is generally considered like the, the quote unquote start of this was in 95 when someone pointed it out. And so he mentions a lot of other things that happen in it. But we're going to we're going to go into that in more depth. Here in we're going to go into that in great detail. The album's engineer, Alan Parsons, Alan Parsons project was asked at the time if all of this was intentional. He denied it. He said, quote, there simply wasn't me- there simply wasn't mechanics to do it. We had no means of playing videotapes in the room at all. I don't think VHS had come along by '72, had it? End quote. And it hadn't. The VHS for Wizard of Oz was not available at the time that they were making this. At the time they were making this album, so and that's generally the the consensus is why they couldn't have done this on purpose because they didn't have the means to do it on purpose. Right. All right. So how does this work? Basically, if you want to do it for yourself at home, and you should try it out because I think it does work, when do you start the movie? All right, so you insert Dark Side of the Moon into your CD player, or in this, maybe you just queue it up on your Cue it up on your, on your iPhone. On your Spotify, on your <laughs> iTunes, or whatever, whatever you use. Yeah. Once the album starts to play, press pause, then press the track rewind to take you to the, 
like basically you need to have the very beginning of the track queued up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can set it to repeat, although I've never actually done it repeating. I've only just done it once. Um, you start the Wizard of Oz, and then yeah, well, you just start the movie. Yeah. Well, no. Okay, so you start the movie, but you need to make sure you wait till the black and white MGM lion appears. And once he roars for the third time, that's the then key. you hit play on this on the on your on your player. That is very important to understand. Yeah, it's the third. Roar. Savage pointed out, right? It was the first, but the the third. That's third roar. The is third key. roar of the MGM lion. That's important. Yeah, basically, as soon as as soon as he starts roaring for the third time, hit play. Dark side of the moon. At that point, or before you even start it, you should probably turn the volume of your TV down. And also, having you should have turned on subtitles just so you can kind of see what they're saying as well. I've actually never done that. I've when oh. when I've done it, I've only. I think we did well, it once. No, I did it one time with you with the subtitles on. Did we? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that. I did it yeah. quite a few times at college. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's anyway. That's the thing that that's the way you can get it going. Um, and apparently, here's where you can check you've done it right, so that you don't get too deep into it into into the weeds, and obviously you're like, this isn't working. When you see the credit produced by uh, Mervyn Leroy, the credit should be fading amid the transition from the, the, the song Speak to Me and Breathe. Right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I have a different theory on that that's just a little bit later, but that's okay. What is it? Uh, it's when time starts. Like when the first alarm clock sounds on time is the scene where uh, Mrs. Gulch... The yep. Wicked Witch of the East mm-hmm. rolls in on her bike. So you see the bike wheel spinning right when time starts. So those two moments happen the exact same time. Okay. So that's when I know whether it's a yeah. good sync or not. Keeping in mind, I haven't done this. Yet. And that's only a few seconds later. So that's actually probably better. It's right. visual. Yeah. And, and Dark Side as an album isn't that long anyway. So it, yeah, it's only a few minutes in. So different concepts. Uh, so yeah, this one generally just talks about dark side. When I was told first told about this in college, it was explained to me that you can do dark side, but you can also do dark side and then you go straight into animals and then you go straight into the wall disc too. Yeah. That's the way I remember doing it. Yeah. Cause that's, well, we were together. Right. So that's, yeah. we were, we were taught the same way. Um, we, we go into the the similarities with dark side. But when I did this, the one, the few that I can remember because it has been very, very long was there's a line in the song sheep on animals and it's wave upon wave upon of demented Avengers march cheerfully out of obscurity into the dream. And that's the exact moment when all the flying monkeys just start going out of the castle to go for Dorothy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And then at the end of the movie, uh, Right when you see the end on the movie is during Comfortably Numb, and the line is, I I have become comfortably numb. Truth be told, I never actually made it to that point, because usually you just get bored because you're sitting there watching The Wizard of Oz, but that's what I was told. Yeah. So I can't confirm or deny that, but that's just what I heard. I, I've seen that. I remember that happening. Okay. I might, I'm, maybe I'm the only one who made it to the end of the movie. M- maybe you were. I, I was know. committed. I don't, I'm, I'm a finisher. <laughs> Let's talk about Pink Floyd a little bit. Yeah. So, just some members. Roger Waters is their bass guitarist and also lead vocals. Nick Mason plays the drums. Richard Wright plays the keyboard and also vocals. And then Sid Barrett does the guitar as well as vocals. And he left the band in 1968 due to mental health issues, which a lot of people think was actually schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, Barrett was replaced by David Gilmour who did guitar and vocals. He joined the band in 1967. There, there was actually only a five-month period where there were all five members. Hmm. So they, they, he didn't replace him, but they added him because Sid's uh, mental health was deteriorating and the band was noticing it. And then there were other members. There is one other member, Bob Close, who was a guitarist in 1965. He did record a few songs with them, but it was before they actually became Pink Floyd. So he was he was in the band, but he wasn't in the band. But he's noted, I think, on Pink Floyd's website as an official member. Really? Yeah. Uh, a little bit more history. They were formed in 1965 in London. They were previously known as Sigma Six, T Set, Megadeths, 
Abdabs and the Pink Floyd sound. I like Abdabs. I like Abdabs, too. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> Barrett came up with the name Pink Floyd, and these are the names of two American bluesmen, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. That's cool. I did not know that. Yep. I, 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 I like Abdabs, but Pink Floyd is obviously great as well. And I knew that about Pink Floyd, but I could never remember the names of the blues artists that they were named after. It's not... Randall. It's not Randall Pink Floyd. Okay. But uh, sure. Uh, so they are generally considered a progressive rock band. And, you know, oh, by the way, really led the progressive rock. You could call them acid, psychedelic, whatever. But it was pretty much progressive rock movement. Uh, they they put out 15 albums. We're not going to go through them all. We're going to talk about one of them in, in great detail. Uh, from Piper the Gates of Dawn in 1967 to the Endless River in 2014. What's your favorite? I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty hard question to answer. I, I really love animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like metal. I mean, Dark Side of the Moon is is the one I've listened to the most because of I don't know because it's dark side because normal normal reasons. But I think that if I'm like picking out my favorite songs, like I love Pigs on the Wing and I love Have a Cigar, and those are both in Animals. Oh, so Have a Cigar is on. Oh, Have a Cigar. No, it's right. Just wish you were here. But I'm sorry, Pigs on a Wing Part One and Pigs on a Wing Part Two and Pigs on a Wing Part Three, where they add them all together. That's yeah. maybe my favorite song of all time. Yeah, when they just go one, I, two, three. I don't know why I'd love it so much. Just so yeah. great. What's yours? Uh, it's hard for me. I have four tattooed on my back. Yeah. Um, I would have a fifth. So I, you mentioned it metal that that is also one of my favorite albums, yeah. but just the artwork on that was a little difficult to make a tattoo out of in, in the so same, make it look like metal in the same style that I have of mine. So I have, we'll explain what your tattoos look like. Uh, the audience wants to know now. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like basically mo- almost like sketches of each album so it's wish you were here the wall dark side and animals Mm -hmm. so like the album covers just in real basic sketches so not in the detail that they have and they're all in black and white so and and they're they're four little like circles four little circles across my right shoulder right i would have metal certainly would have been on there but you if you've seen the album cover it's kind of difficult to do it in the same style that i have my tattoo in. yeah i'm thinking about adding to that tattoo to put my favorite song of each From album, each under like a symbol for each song under which. So like cigar, like I think I would probably have a cigar for have a cigar. Wish yeah. you were here, an alarm clock Man, for time. You don't like wish you were here though that song. I like the song, but it's I pretty probably depressing, like. Though. I probably like. Um, I'd have a dog for animals because that's my favorite song off that one. Yeah, dogs is good. The wall is the one that's tripping me up because there's a few that I really like on. I really like mother, but I don't know what a symbol for a. I could probably find one, but. I'd have to really think about that one because I do like quite a few songs on the wall. Yeah. Anyways, hmm. that's enough about me. Yeah. Back to the band. <laughs> uh, so, again, this is a brief history of the band. So, 14 albums, 15 albums, worldwide fame. Uh, Wright actually left the band in 1979. Oddly enough, then he was hired back on to play as a musician for the wall tour. Hmm. And actually, when I was doing research on this, that tour lost money. So every, he was the only band member who actually made money on that tour because he, he was a paid musician and wasn't a member of the band. That's great. Hey, good good financial decision on his part. Yeah. Waters left in 85 and said, I'm disbanding Pink Floyd. But Gilmore and Mason kept the band going and released A Momentary Lapse of Reason in 1987 and The Division Bell in 1994. Steve O'Rourke, the band's manager, passed away in 2003 and Gilmore, Mason, and Wright performed Fat Old Sun and The Great Gig in the Sky. At his funeral. Yeah. So now we're getting into kind of very similar to the Zeppelin episode where, yeah, they disbanded, but they got back together for yeah. a few different things. In 2005, actually all four members of this time reunited for Live Aid, which was the 20th anniversary of Live Aid, uh, in which they performed two songs of Dark Side, as well as Wish You Were Here and Comfortably Numb. And then a three-man Floyd unit without waters uh, played on separate occasions in 2006, actually during one of Gilmore's solo gigs and in 2007 at a tribute for uh, a tribute concert for the late Sid Barrett, who passed away the year earlier in 2006. Richard Wright died in 2008. 
And on July 10th, 2010, Waters and Gilmore played a couple Floyd songs together at a private charity event in Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire. Oh, there's... Another town I like the name of. Yeah. Um, The last one that I could find, May 12th, 2011, during one of Roger Waters' The Wall Tour, who he was actually supposed to be touring again this year, Willis and I were going to go in Kansas City, and of course... Everything happened, and that got pushed to next year. But he was performing at the O2 Arena in London. And if you've seen a video of how he does the wall tour, like he has like, it starts with a kind of a framework of a wall, and then throughout the concert, the wall's built, and they break it down at the end. Well, by the time Comfortably Numb comes around, the guitarist would stand at the top. Gilmore took his spot at the top to sing and play his part for Comfortably Numb, and then Mason, who was also at the show, joined him on stage later for Outside the Wall, which is the last song from the album, The Wall. And then they actually ended the concert the way that they used to during the original Wall Tour with Waters playing the trumpet, Gilmore playing the mandolin, and Mason playing the tambourine. So everybody like at the show really got a kick out of that because that's kind of a, a, an original Floyd ending to a Wall concert. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I think we've already kind of talked a lot about why we like Pink Floyd. I mean, you got tattoos. We see El Monstero every year. I got to tell a fun little anecdote. My dad told me a story. If he saw, he's the, told me the this arena. story too. He saw he used to work at the arena, which is a big, uh, used to be basically where the where, where the blues played. So it was a big place for concerts um, in the eighties and seventies, whatever. And uh, Pink Floyd came and played, and they played a handful of songs, maybe even the whole first set behind essentially a wall, mm-hmm. styrofoam, but it looked like a brick wall. And then during another brick in the wall, they just bash through the wall, and all of a sudden you can see the band members, and now they play the rest of the concert. Which I don't know. Visually, it sounds pretty freaking awesome. It's a pretty, it's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, yeah. It's. I always thought that was really interesting because you're paying to see a band, but it's like, nope, we're going to perform behind yeah. a giant wall for half the show. They said it's like these pyrotechnics, and they just came. Everything just exploded, and I don't know. It would have been a pretty cool payoff. It would have been cool. Yeah. So. Let's talk about the album a little bit, Dark Side of the Moon. First of all, Dark Side of the Moon is the eighth studio album from Pink Floyd. came out March 1st, 1973. Here are the tracks, which is kind of important because we're going to go through certain songs and how it lines up to parts of the movie. Speak to Me, Breathe, On the Run, Time, A Great Gig in the Sky, Money, Us and Them, Any Color You Like, Brain Damage, and finally, Eclipse. Uh, let's go through some, you know, some quick stats on it before we get into some nerd facts. Uh, it has spent a total of 950 weeks on the Billboard charts at one point in time, 741 consecutive weeks from 1973 to 1988. That's a lot. That's a long time. It's 15 years in the charts. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it, and there's a reason why, if you've heard it. Uh, it's the first. Uh, it's actually the first Pink Floyd album to reach the top forty charts in the U.S. and it hit number one in 1973. Also in 1973, it hit number one in Austria and Canada, as high as number two in the U.K., Australia, and Norway. Number three in Spain and Germany. And a fun fact: it hit number one in New Zealand in 1993. <laughs> what happened in '93? I have. N- they must maybe a remastered version got released or something like that. But yeah, yeah. I was when I was. I thought that was very interesting to call out that it hit number one 20 years after its release. Which trying to sense. think of anything else. Yeah, 20, yeah, 20 year okay, anniversary. 20 year anniversary. It doesn't have anything to do with like Braveheart coming out, you don't think? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that was just a joke. Uh, so it, <laughs> the top 25 best-selling albums of all time in the U.S., seventh best-selling album of all time in the U.K. I'm going to start over that part. I'll start over. It's the top... 25 here i'm gonna actually say that part before that it's in the top 25 yeah Yeah. okay it's in the top 25 best-selling albums of all time in the u.s the seventh best-selling album of all time in the uk it's gone 14 times platinum in the uk and 15 times platinum in the u.s that is a crap ton of albums being sold estimated total album sales 45 million copies worldwide that's I mean, a, whatever, any, that's <laughs> any a, anywhere. That's a that, lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of albums. And I think it went I, when I was doing this. There were a couple other countries where it went fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. I yeah. just mentioned those two. It's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. 
So let's get into some some nerd facts about the album itself. So this is the first Pink Floyd album to feature Roger Waters as its sole lyricist and also the first album that had the lyrics printed on it. Typically, they didn't do that. This was the first time they did that. It was almost named Eclipse, and in parentheses, a piece of assorted lunatics. Hmm. There was a British rock duo, Medicine Head, that released their own album called Dark Side of the Moon in 1972. And they were worried about leave, you know, being labeled as you know copycats. So they thought about changing the name to Eclipse. But when the Medicine Head album flopped, they decided to keep the name change and just hope no one noticed. And, well, let's be honest, no one did. <laughs> right. Dark Side of the Moon was intended to be an allusion to a journey into madness, not outer space, believe it or not, which makes sense if you listen to the songs and the titles. It's, yeah. not, it's not going to space. You're losing your mind. You're slowly losing your mind. The repeating, demented laughter hard on Speak to Me and Brain Damage belongs to Peter Watts, Pink Floyd's road manager at the time, and Naomi Watts' father. Who did not know that. Yeah. Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon situation going on That's there. very true. Uh, Pink Floyd, as a lot of other you know British musicians were, were huge fans of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Alan Parsons would later say that the band's frequent breaks in recording to watch the show afforded him time to experiment with different mixes and effects in the studio. They liked Monty Python so much they decided to donate a portion of their album sales to to the group in order to finance the film Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> they weren't the only ones to do this. When I was doing, I think Led Zeppelin re- gave them some, Elton John gave them some, but yeah. that's how they got the money to make that movie, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. That's really cool. Pink Floyd developed the musical ideas that would become Dark Side on the Road, even playing early versions of the songs to audiences. In early 72, the band was basically just performing the full album, just in order. And actually, February 20th of that year, at the London's Rainbow Theater, a fan actually recorded the whole thing and then started selling that bootleg version or bootleg version kind of around. The band was like, oh no, we're going to screw our sales. Obviously, it's not screw our sales. Their sales. No. And it, and that bootleg was out a full year before the album came out. Yeah. So that's what they were really worried about. Right. Didn't hurt. Uh, $45 million <laughs> later. No, it didn't didn't hurt at all. And I would love to honestly hear that. I wonder if it's something you can like find online. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure. But I'm sure it probably costs a lot of money. Right. Um, Dark Side would actually last performed in its entirety by a David Gilmore-led incarnation of Pink Floyd on select dates of the band's final tour in 1994. But we mentioned it. If you want to get your Dark Side fix, check out El Monstero. You know, they they play six shows around Christmas every single year. They do a great job. Not only the songs, but the production is just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but it, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. Um, fingers crossed, but I don't have a lot of hope. Yeah, me neither. Maybe they'll live stream it, and we can have our own... El Monstero party. I would do that. All right. We'll, we'll reach out to them. We'll give them some ideas. You know, streaming for the Rona. I don't know. The famous intro to the song Money consists of cash register sounds and clanging change, and the recordings mainly took place at the band members' homes. Because they just got cash registers lying around their houses, I guess. Uh, well, when you're just printing money with that many millions of record sales, you probably do have cash registers. Yeah, this, I mean, this was their eighth record. This yeah. came right after Metal. Right. Which, they, they didn't have the cash app back then. so Or Venmo. No Venmo. <laughs> Got to do something with that cash. And Dark Side of the Moon made really good use of voices throughout the album. And most of them came from people that were just hanging around Abbey Road Studios when they were recording. Roadies, doormen, and even members of Wings were asked questions by lyricist Roger Waters had on cue cards like, When was the last time you were violent? And were you in the right? And what does the phrase dark side of the moon mean to you? Paul McCartney was actually one of the people interviewed, but his voice didn't make the cut for the album. Waters found that he got better and, frankly, weirder stuff from guys like the studio's Irish doorman, Jerry O'Driscoll, who let the band know that, as a matter of fact, it's all dark. Yeah, it is all dark. And... (laughs) So uh, more on this guy, Jerry Driscoll. He actually delivers his famous line, there is no dark side on the moon, really. Matter of fact, it's all dark. The only thing that makes it look light is the sun. For dark side, an orchestral version of the Ticket to Ride by the Beatles is played in the background. And a couple last things is, number one, there's a rough version of Brain Damage. It was written around the same time as Metal. It's actually known as the dark side of the moon. 
I'm glad it's not called that. No, I, I mean, if you think about it, because that's, you know, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon is right. in the chorus of that song. So real quick question. Sense. Do you like songs that have the name of the song in the title? I'm not. I'm indifferent. Wait, I didn't, I didn't say that right. Not not name of the song in the title. It obviously has the name of the song in the title. The, the, the title of the song in the lyrics, like throughout the song. Same, same answer. Same answer. Like it doesn't really. Do you mean, like it in movies when at some point an actor says the movie title? <laughs> that would probably. In, yeah. It depends on the movie title. Okay. Like if it's if it's something very, very specific. Right. And then they said that in the movie, that would probably be annoying. But if it's a very nondescript movie title, okay. like change, mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay. okay, it doesn't matter. So like this is Sparta makes sense. Uh, that's sort like, of. So that's a comedy. So yeah, that would totally make sense. Right. Okay. Happy Gilmore. They say it's a guy's that's name. That's his name. But well, if, could, if you're like, forever. hey, I'm Braveheart. I'm, I have a very brave heart. That, <laughs> that would have that would have been. Ba- I don't think. Okay. I don't. One. I don't think that happens in Braveheart. It doesn't. That's why I was just. I was just. I, just got, I got Braveheart on the mind because it would have been about bad. Ninety-three. There, there, but there are certain times where that is annoying. But in. In songs, generally not. I think it's almost you expect it to happen in songs. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of cool when it doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> just, I'm just sorry. Tangent. That's okay. This album actually only won one Grammy Award, and it was Parsons who received a Grammy as the rec- for the record, and the award was Best Engineered Album. That's it. That's it. So why do we like it? What's our favorite song? Time for me. Yeah, I mean, time's pretty amazing. I'm gonna just be different and say us and them. I do. I mean, I, I like really the whole like, album, and I it's mean, and it's it's difficult to pick out a favorite song on this one because it's an album that's meant to be listened to in its entirety. There are often times where I I like don't know that it's the next song yet. Like it, it's already transitioned to the new song. Mm-hmm. Like like when you see it like in concert, if you're not familiar with it, you would just think it's just one song. There's there may be a couple like distinct changes. But for the most part, it's just one continuous, gigantic song. Especially, I mean, especially at the very beginning, when you yeah. when you when you're in "Speak to Me," "Breathe," "On the Run," "Time," and even into "Great Gig in the Sky," like that is just a continuous, like crescendo, it's, and then it kind of a, an abrupt stop at money. But money then is when it really seems. Like but it then stops, it starts yeah. up again. But and yeah. I also think that's when the album, like on the old vinyl, that's when it flips. Money's on side B. Yeah, it makes sense. I like Eclipse too, by the way. I. I like, I like all the songs. Oh, I like all the songs too. Okay, now let's talk about Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk how they talk. Let's then we'll discuss how they yeah work with each other. So Wizard of Oz, just the the, the quick IMDb description for those of you that haven't even heard of yeah, this. Yeah, if you don't know this, you um, should probably know this, but yeah. do it anyways. Dorothy Gale is swept away from a farm in Kansas to the magical land of Oz in a tornado and embarks on a quest with her new friends to see the wizard who can help return her home to Kansas. And help her friend find her friends as well. It was released on August twenty fifth, nineteen thirty nine, and it was directed by Victor Fleming, who also directed Gone with the Wind, Test Pilot, and a guy named Joe. So some of these movies we're going to mention are definitely older because again, it came out in nineteen thirty nine. Judy Garland plays Dorothy. She's from A Star Is Born, not the most recent one, like four iterations ago. Yeah, Meet Me in St. Louis and Judgment in Nuremberg. Frank Morgan plays the professor, also the Wizard of Oz, also the gatekeeper, and a couple other characters, too. He is from the shop around the corner, not to be confused with You've Got Mail, (laughs) A Stranger in Town in Trouble for Two. I mean, it's funny that we talk about, like, man, Hollywood just keeps remaking movies all the time now. Don't they have any new ideas? Because people keep going. They've been doing this for a long time, though. Yeah. Like, this is not a new thing. No. It just is happening more often because they make movies more frequently now. Mm -hmm. Right? So, Sorry. Hollywood's not original, and they have never they haven't been in a very long time. Well, and that's why some of the like the original stuff is is usually the stuff that gets most of the accolades. Yeah. Either it's original or it's a fresh take on an old idea. Like it's not yeah. just a straight remake. Yeah. Roy Bolger plays the Scarecrow and also the Hunk. <laughs> He's from Veins of Toyland, April in Paris, and the Great Zigfield. Bert Lahr plays Zeke. And the Cowardly Lion, and he was in Sing Your Worries Away, Ship Ahoy, and Meet the People. Jack Haley plays Hickory and the Tin Man, who was in Sing Your Way Home, One Body Too Many, and Vacation in Reno. And Billy Burke plays Glinda, or Galinda, if you've seen Wicked. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also in Mary, Merrily We Live, Dinner at Eight, and Topper Returns. And Margaret Ham- Hamilton plays Mrs. Gulch or the Wicked Witch of the West. And she was in 13 Ghosts, Nothing Sacred, and State of the Union. So in 1940, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Art Direction, and Best Effects for the Academy Awards. And it won Best Original Song as well as Best Score. I think that song was Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I was. It had to be. Had to be. I didn't reference that. So let's get into some nerd facts about the movie. A recent study claimed that this is the most watched film in history, largely due to the number of television screening each year, as well as the various video, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K releases, which have enabled children of every age and all generations to see it. And then... Many of the Wicked Witch of the West scenes were either trimmed or deleted entirely as Margaret Hamilton's performance was thought to be too frightening for audiences. She's great. And she's got that laugh. Oh, she was it's great. Freaking super creepy. Yeah. The horses in Emerald City actually were colored with jello crystals. And all the scenes had to be shot really quickly. Otherwise, the horses would lick it off. <laughs> I mean, movie magic. We're talking. This is a long time ago. It was That's 80 years ago. I mean, yeah, if it came out in 39. It was either filmed in 39 or 38. Yeah. The scarecrow face makeup that Roy Bulger wore was consisting of rubber, a rubber prosthetic with a woven pattern to suggest uh, like burlap cloth because, he's again, he's a scarecrow. By the time the film was finished, the prosthetic had left a pattern of lines on his face. It took more than a year to vanish. <laughs> Yikes. He's like scarred. I know. Almost scarred for life. That's a dedication to his craft, though. Judy Garland found it actually difficult to be afraid of Margaret Hamilton because she was such a nice lady off camera. And also, according to lead munchkin, Jerry Marin, the little people on the set were paid $50 a week, $50 per week for a six-day work week, while Toto, the dog, got $125 per week. Yeah, I mean, again, this is 1940. This is... Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all we can say about that. It was a long time ago. Clearly, they uh, were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Here's another interesting story about the Munchkins, and they were portrayed by the Singer Midgets, which, again, that name is would not be kosher now. It, they were named not for their musical abilities, but for Leo Singer, their manager. And this troupe came from Europe, but many of them were Jewish, and actually they took advantage of the trip to stay in the U.S. to escape the Nazis. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, professional singers dub most of their voices as many of the midgets couldn't even speak English or sing well. Only two are heard speaking with their real-life voices, and those are the ones who give Dorothy flowers after she has climbed onto the carriage. No, that's crazy. Judy Garland would later refer to her pint-sized Oscar Juvenile Award that she won in 1939 as the Munchkin Award. Hmm. Dorothy's iconic red slippers are now in the Smithsonian Institution and are so popular that the carpet in front of the attraction has to be replaced numerous times a year per, for wear and tear. That's not surprising. No. The song Over the Rainbow was ranked number one by the American Film Institute in 2004 on the 100 Greatest Songs in American Films list. And that American Film Institute, when I was doing it, this film ranks... On a lot of different lists, as far as best musicals, yeah. best films, and there were it was too much to list, but is widely regarded as one of the, the greatest AFI films is of all one time. That we, I mean, we usually reference as far as like top one hundred ranked movies, of and all it's time. all over rankings that they yeah. have for different genres, different yeah. categories, everything. So it's it's up there. So we've talked about the album, we've talked about the movie. Let's talk about how it lines up. Where does it line up? Uh, let's, so we're going to do this by songs. We're just going to go in order. We're going to start with start with the first song, "Speak to Me." So one of the one of the times where we think it lines up is in the in the music. The line "Look around and choose your own ground" is sung, and during that moment, the movie Dorothy searches the farmyard for someone else to talk to and settles on the farmhands. Yeah, so again, a lot of this is like basically lyrics are happening in the song or instrumentals and then what the characters are doing yeah. that line up really well. The next example is the lyric basically says you're racing towards an early grave. and At that point, she actually falls off of a fence she's walking in between and falls into a pig pen, seemingly looking like she's falling into a grave. Right. And then so we go on to the next song, On the Run. 
Uh, so the, uh, again, if you've heard this, you have speak to me, breathe, and on the run, it makes an abrupt cut into on and run, on the run. And then at that point in time, Zeke races into the pig pen and rescues Dorothy because she just fell. Right. So we, well, you hear something that sounds like a airplane flying overhead at the very end of on the run. And at that point, Dorothy's actually singing about bluebirds flying over the rainbow. Yeah. And that's when she actually kicks into Right, over somewhere the over the rainbow. Yeah. Moving on to time, and again, this is the one where, where I think this is when you know you have a good sink. Is the beginning, the first clock, is when Mrs. Gulch, you see her riding her bike. So when it cuts to that scene, the first alarm bell hits. Another bell. There's actually a ding dong chime song in the music, like in the song time. And at that point, is the exact same time that there's a doorbell chime. Mm-hmm. A lot of chimes. A lot of, and it, it's, again, it's actions of what the characters are doing are lining up almost identically to the songs and the, and the, the noises in, this, in, the, in, the, in the actual Pink Floyd album. So uh, the next time, and again, this is, this is one that I specifically remember as well. Uh, when you get into, like when the, when the ticking and the chiming and all the alarm clocks start to fade away and you start getting into those tones uh, while the... Um, while he's beating on the toms uh, you have you have the the doubles and the doubles and they're going up and down an octave and everything like that that's when you can see dorothy going back and forth with those tones pleading with everybody to stay while she's holding the dog yeah that's also one of those very memorable i can distinctly remember that happening. it's almost like choreographed mm-hmm. so the lyric in that song kicking around on a piece of ground in your hometown waiting for someone or something to show you the way at that point Toto is actually has escaped Miss Gulch's bike's bicycle basket and runs back home to the farm without anyone showing him the way. Really weird. Right. And then continuing. And then one day you find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you where to run. You missed the starting gun. And we could probably sing this stuff, but we'll, we'll spare you. I guys. tried not to in the last one. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> not, I'm not trying to either. Um, so during that song, during that, point in the song in the movie Dorothy and Toto are viewed from behind walking down the road and over the bridge towards Professor Marvel's wagon as the song time continues the camera fixes on Professor Marvel's wagon and he advertises the past present and future yeah I'm just like remember I'm just thinking about all these things in my head it's just it's just bringing back memories the, the second to last one from this song the lyric is, the sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older, shorter in breath, but one day closer to death. And in that instance, Professor Marvel is actually talking about Isis, who's an Egyptian goddess, and uh, her brother, husband. Anyway, they're all related to the great grands. They're all great grandsons of the Egyptian sun god, Ra. Yep. And finally, home, home again. I like to be there when I can. Uh, at that point in time, Professor Marvel shares his vision of Auntie M back at home at the farm, crying because someone has broken her heart, and Dorothy goes back home. So then we kind of get into the great gig in the sky, and just the entire tornado scene. I mean, the name of the song is The Great Gig in the Sky, and it's when the tornado happens in the movie. Right. That's really the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing about all of this. Yeah. That's all I got. What's the next one? That's That's pretty much all we really need to... To mention, I mean, there was there was a couple times where um, I think when the vocalist really starts to kick up, uh, and the, that's when the tornado in the movie starts to kick up, and I think the actual fence blows down when she tries to open it. That's when the wind really starts going, when the vocalist really starts going, and then conversely, when she starts ramping back down. That's that, when she's like drifting into this like dream well, world. She she gets hit in the head. She drifts in the dream world, and then when the song like when like really towards the end of the song, there's a point where she's just going lower and lower and lower an octave, and she kind of settles, and that's when the house hits the ground. Yeah. After the tornado and ends up in us. And then for the for the money shot, the song money, <laughs> the opening cash register tones basically begins, and that is when Dorothy opens the farmhouse door and everything is in color and then the baseline drops yeah and then again that's another clear-cut indicator when you have a good sync it's a little later in the movie but when those those two that cast register and that door opening happen at the exact same time 
And so one of the first lyrics is money, get back. At that point, the munchkins are behind Dorothy, whose back is turned and basically to her back. Mm -hmm. And another lyric, money, it's a hit. Don't don't give me that do goody good bullshit. I'm in a high fidelity first class traveling set and I think I need a Learjet is when Glinda, the good witch, arrives in Munchkin land in her colorful bubble because she is a a do goody. She's a goody goody. Mm-hmm. And then goes the guitar solo and basically it's like this very liberating guitar solo and at that point all the munchkins are set free and they start coming out of the bushes and trees and manholes and everywhere else and they're and all they start dancing around dancing and around the yep. center of the town having a good old time to this like entire guitar solo. Um the next part the lyric money it's a crime that's when the munchkins are marching and you know they're escorting Dorothy to a stylish coach and sing praise of her well her murder. We thank you very sweetly. You killed her so completely. <laughs> Money, so they say, is the root of ev- all evil today. And that's in the part where the Munchkins are actually singing, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. And finally, the lyric is away, away, away. At that point, the Munchkins are singing, Below, below, below. And the Wicked Witch has gone away in death. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. So then we get into us and them, and it starts off us, 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 and this is when the ballerinas of the Lullaby League, which we call Team Us, they enter to welcome Dorothy to Munchkin Land. So I mean, like that's <laughs> hello. Then another one that uh, one of these that I really really remember um, when they when the lyric is black, and again it 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 repeats black 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 and blue 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 mm-hmm. when when they first say black that's when the wicked witch of the east appears and she's dressed in all black and who knows which is which and who is who and that's when the camera is actually panning to all three witches just yeah, the dead one glinda and the and and the wicked witch of the west right and then again up and down and in the end it's only round and round and round and round the witches look up and down at her dead, the, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West looks up and down at her dead sister and the ruby slippers to Dorothy's feet with the camera angle showing the slippers round and round. Down, 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 down. That part, Dorothy is like he looking down at the yellow brick road. And then to continue, out, out, out. Glinda disappears in her floaty ball of colored light. And then goes goes on further out of the way it's a busy day i've got things on my mind dorothy dances her way down the yellow brick road away from the munchkins and off to the emerald city mm-hmm. on to brain damage the next song I, again brain damage very similar to great gig in the sky the no- name of the song is brain damage and the lunatic is on the grass mem- remembering games daisy change and laughs got to keep the loonies on the path that's when the scarecrow the lunatic who doesn't have a brain is singing and dancing and keeping time with some of these lyrics Very yeah i mean that part is another huge part that i remember the lunatic yeah. is on the grass like i mean hello. And he's being a lunatic there's a scarecrow and if your head explodes with dark forebodings too i'll see you on the dark side of the moon and that is when Dorothy and Scarecrow essentially decide they're going to go to Emerald City to find the Wizard of Oz together. And they start dancing off. And then last song, Eclipse. So in the music, all you create, all you destroy, all that you do, all that you say, all that you eat, and everyone you meet. Dorothy and the Scarecrow oil up the Tin Man who can finally speak and meet Dorothy and the Scarecrow. Yeah, and then Everything You Fight is the next lyric and Dorothy is shaking the Tin Man's right arm, which has his axe. basically in time with the music, like in line perfectly with it. And again, the one that I remember the most is at the very end of dark side, you have that, well, you have the very, the heartbeat at the very beginning and you have a heartbeat at the very end. And right when that heartbeat sounds, that's when the tin man is explaining that he doesn't have a heart. So, all right. So, so what do you think? What do we think? Does it work? I I mean, I think it does. I, I think it does. You know, I mean, the first time I tried this was, you know, I think probably freshman year, 99, 2000, which yeah. for me was weird because I didn't realize, like, doing the research on this, the article was only five years old. So I, I guess I just thought it was a thing a lot longer when I found out about it. But yeah, I guess it hadn't been. But 
Yeah, for all the reasons that we just mentioned, and especially my specific anecdotes on it, I think so. Yeah, we could talk about this forever. I think we we d- we demonstrated there's a lot of connections there. The question is, though, do we think it was done on purpose or not? Well, if you ask the band, they have repeatedly denied it, and that is just a straight. That's just a coincidence. On the cover of the band's 1995 live album Pulse in the background, you can actually see a bike with a basket on it and a girl with ruby slippers, which are both references to The Wizard of Oz. However, which which we would think that's, that's kind of that's, a That's a The Wizard nod, of Oz. If it's right? ruby slippers, that's the only thing you think of. Nick Mason, their drummer, stated in 1997, it's absolute nonsense. It has nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz. It was all based on the sound of music. <laughs> I mean, clearly... After all, Ruby Slippers are well known to be a huge storyline in The Sound of Music. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So later, in an interview uh, for the 25th anniversary of the album, Dave Gilmore denied that the album was intentionally written to be synchronized with Oz, saying some guy with too much time on his hands had this idea of combining Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon. And here we are, two guys with too much time on our hands, talking about some guy's theory <laughs> about having come up with this, talking it up. <laughs> you know, talking about what we've noticed and what other people have noticed. Uh-huh. On a, and again, last time on MTV special in 2002, the band dismissed... Did you say that? No. This, the, the, man, the, man, the band dismissed any relationship between the album and movie, saying they were no, by no means reproducing the film in the studio at the time they recorded the album. And we kind of talked about that earlier, where yeah. the VHS for, the, yeah. for, for Wizard of Oz wasn't out when they made this. So they couldn't have put it on to say, oh, let's make sure this stuff's in. Hey, Alan, do your job and make sure that all this stuff syncs up. And listen, there are, when we, you just looked Google this a little bit ago, there are a lot of different oh my God. other movies you can watch that line up to Dark Side or other albums by Pink Floyd. There was an entire, and there was some weird stuff on there. It, so, I mean, yes. Can you misconstru- can, could you possibly come, like, come up with this, especially if you're on some illicit drugs, figuring out, does this line up with certain movies, different, different songs or whatever? But I think that there are a lot of connections here. There are, in my opinion. There, there, so one of the ones that I remember, and it was actually on Reddit, was Dark Side in the B movie, right? Which someone actually commented on it, and someone looked it up on YouTube, and they were like, "Oh my God, it works!" Yeah. But you know, our brains are made to make connections. Like right. we we look at two things and we try to connect them somehow. So we're we're more or less hardwired trying to find connections between two things, and this one just. While I, yeah, I'll admit, yeah, they probably didn't do it on purpose. It's just really, really strange that th- it lines up that, yeah, distinctly. I think they did it on purpose, and we're going to find out at some point that we were, in fact, correct the whole time. I think wh- <laughs> who, whoever's the last one standing, yeah, whether well, finally, maybe that'll be in their eulogy or they'll uh-huh. reveal it on their deathbed. All right. Well, that's what we think. Really curious to hear your thoughts on it um love to get that feedback from you or honestly check it out yourself because it's it's quite a ride it is it is if you haven't done it and you're and you know fan of wizard of oz whatever but if you like pink floyd you should do it it'll be a fun evening that's it dark side of the rainbow awesome yeah so thank yous who you want to you got anybody specific to thank i'd like to thank the Pipeworks Brewing Company out of <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. They make a delicious double Indian pale ale with, it's called Ninja versus Unicorn. This can is beautiful. Apparently, the can art was by Jason Burke at Ink and Lead Designs. Actually, so. actually when I first found that beer, it was in Chicago. And actually, I liked the can so much, I wasn't sure I was ever going to find it here. So I took the can with me. So it's downstairs. Yeah, Ninja versus Unicorn. Thank you. What Good about stuff. you? Well, I mean, we can stick on the same note, and I'll, I'll thank the Jack Daniels Distillery <laughs> for some delicious yeah. uh, single-barrel, barrel-proof store pick that we found at Total Wine last week that is 140 proof, 139 yeah. proof. It's almost 70% alcohol, but it, you, wouldn't ta- you wouldn't know it to taste it. So yeah. it's got a little heat, but it's, it's still pretty, it's pretty damn good whiskey. True. Future show suggestions. So we're going to be going back to our new format in a little bit. But if you have any other suggestions, 
please send them to nerdisthenewcoolpodcast at gmail.com or use any of the socials. Hashtag nerdisthenewcoolpodcast. And how to contact us. Well, you can like us and follow up. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram at Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Nerd is the New CO2. You can listen to us on everywhere podcasts are available. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just search for Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. So our next episode, well, first of all, we got a few nerd bites to be dropping. Not sure this will happen before or afterwards, but look for that. Pizza, bourbon, good stuff. But our next versus episode, we've decided to compare the best movies about the end of the world and i've already got one picked out in my head be curious to see what you pick out later. i'm gonna need to do some research because there's there's this is a broader topic than i guess i even considered so i want to take my time and and choose wisely this is the end of the episode (laughs) thanks for joining us thanks everyone bye-bye